The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez, Sanchez listeners go when they get injured uh, unfairly. Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yours right now with the free Ricky upgrade at bigbarker.com slash Ricky. Then send us a picture of your process pup. I had to buy a Big Barker for a uh, an 11-year-old dog that I promised I would buy a dog for uh, at Providence Animal Center if they got adopted this week. So that was, that was nice. Um, and uh, the Colony Meadery, the official gluten-free booze made from honey of the process um, on today's show. Oh, boy. It's a very special show as Mike went to Summer League and he recorded the whole thing. <laughs> All his entire experience at Summer League is documented, and um, we are going to present that to you. It's very, very exciting. Um, what does that mean? Well, we will tell you right after Run the Jewels. We are the murderers there. That went to jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then went to hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have power to push. Now I smoke pounds of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Welcome to the Race of Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who took out a loan on all of his houses so he could keep gambling. He is still in Las Vegas. He is at the blackjack table, $500 minimum table. That is Mike Levin. Hi, Mike. Hi, Spike. Pretty cool that they let me... Do this podcast mid-hand. <laughs> you, you're yep. famous for splitting 20s, right? No, splitting, splitting, yeah, splitting tens. tens. Splitting tens on splitting the tens, uh, Splitting tens against a six. I know it is not the right sure. play, but I do it anyway. Right? Oh, man. It was a tough, uh, a lot of a lot of bad beats on the, yeah. uh, the one night I played blackjack. <laughs> and then the second, the second day I didn't play in blackjack, but I did put a bunch of money on the Browns to hit their over. So, oh, what was the uh, what was the over under? It was five wins, and it was ten oh, to one. I like that. Ten to yeah, ten to one on uh, on them winning the division. So, why not? Very process of you. I can, know. can I ask you? I can I? The, here's a quick dumb blackjack thing before we get to your experience at summer league, which we will be playing for everybody. Which is a lot of special guests. Uh, a ton Jonathan of Jonathan Sharks. Uh, the Summer League Sixers coach, whoever that is. Uh, Jonah Bolden is on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Derek Bodner and Rich Hoffman are on the podcast. Uh, James Herbert is on the podcast and, of and CBS some, Sports. And some, and some surprises. We don't need to give everybody. Yeah, yeah, and some surprises. Well, I mean, it's all in the rundown. But uh, <laughs> <Fair>. <laughs> anyway, um, here's a funny blackjack thing. My mm-hmm. brother and I always wondered. It's a very stupid thing. Uh, I guess It probably won't surprise you that I wondered it. Imagine um, uh, you have 17 and you hit for some reason. And uh, like let's say a dealer showing uh, 9 and you hit on 17. And you get an ace, which can be an 11 or a 1, right? Is that what mm-hmm. an ace can be? Yeah. Could, could you tell the dealer, I am choosing to make the ace an 11 and I'm choosing to bust? Why? Is it, <laughs> is it mandatory 
that you choose the one in that, or could you choose to bust? I mean, not fold. Not fold. Could you say to the dealer, that ace is an 11? Oh, no, I busted. Probably. Could you? Yeah, why not? If the idea, I if, don't know. If your goal is to lose money, sure. But you think the dealer would? I, I want to do it to a dealer. Like I want to, I want to go seems and like choose a, to bust. It seems like a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, but. well, I'll do it at a five dollar table. Sure. Um, so, uh, so you uh, you spent how many days were you at uh, summer league? Just the weekend. Just did okay. a uh, Friday to Sunday thing, and um, I did. I've done the full week or almost the full week once, and it's it's truly. Uh, I don't want to say it just it tests you in a real uh physical and mental way. You start well, to Las, you're, you're watching Las like, Vegas itself tests you. Like Las sure. Vegas itself 2 days is more than enough. Right. You know? but, so like Las yeah. Vegas but then Las Vegas in July. But then Las right. Vegas in July in a like pretty cold gym watching yep. 10 sometimes straight hours of Pretty mediocre basketball. You realize mediocre that like mediocre is is kind. Sure, mediocre is a kind description. Yes, of occasionally it as well. good. Yeah. Occasionally good. Usually bad. Uh, but then you realize you haven't looked up from like Hawks Mavs in like an hour and a half, and you're like, "What am I doing here? Why am I just on my computer?" Uh, but it's great. I love it. You would hate it. I talk to people about how much you would hate it. Um, it's a it is a uh, it's a special place. Well, you know, I, I think one of the reasons I would hate it is that at 41 years old, you realize how precious time is. And uh, boy, it just, it seems like there are moments that make it, like the highlights of it are more than enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, that's probably you, true. You know, watching your favorite team and then watching the highlights, or maybe, you know, like, because they're all on TV now, you're like, oh, I'll check out, you know, a quarter of DeAndre Ayton. Uh, oh, he has a loser face. He's never going to be any good. Okay, and then I can just go back to my normal thing. That is one thing I noticed. DeAndre, DeAndre Ayton does not have the face of somebody who wants to be a champion. Uh, just my opinion. Just my opinion. Jesus okay. Christ. Yeah, okay. So um, anything else you want to say about this before we, we we roll it? Oh, I thought we were going to talk about like the Sixers for a little bit. Oh, no, we I can. Do, do what do you want to do? Yeah, you want to well, do got, the did Sixers? You, did, did you watch the uh, Markel Fultz thing? Oh, the, the Hanlon video. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, I can I be honest with you? I don't even want to be I, – I don't want to give my honest feelings on the false thing anymore um, because, like, I, here I, I'm going to give, like, my honest feelings on it. This is absurd. Like, this is ridiculous. It, it is um, – don't like, – like, that video I thought was sort of insulting – um in a in a in a in a very like as real as a as whatever it is could be insulting um if he is shooting well then show him shooting well and if he's not shooting well then like let's not play these games where like it didn't even look like his hands on the the shot Mm. um you know like i i just um i'm so I know this is going to get me killed. I'm so unconfident at this point because all we want to do, like, you know, people are like, oh, well, Hanlon said he's shooting great. It's like, well, if he was shooting great, 
there would be a very easy way to prove that, <laughs> you know, like yeah. the same thing you see of, of every other person in Drew Hanlon's gym playing basketball. So um, I, I genuinely am so hopeful and wish for the best for the kid. But like I thought that video was really like uh, aggressively stupid. <laughs> you? <laughs> uh, I mean, I think we – we passed aggressively stupid with the Sixers so long ago <laughs> yeah. that this That's is just, point, I didn't even, right? I didn't even, it didn't even register that, that it could be insulting. Cause I'm just so insulted like regularly, just a right. daily, daily insult with, with this team. Uh, I believe it. I believe it. I don't know. It's fine. I thought it was, I tweeted that it was shot like a softcore porn. Um, it was really funny. I thought it was funny. Uh, the Embiid, uh, Bamba, and Embiid Tatum matchups were fun to watch. Well, that was cool. The Embiid yeah. thing was cool. Yeah, it's crazy that that guy, this. I mean, maybe it's just to to hype himself up, whatever. But like, that's a long ass work day for Drew Hanlon. Did yeah. you watch the whole thing? Uh, well, the whole video was like thirteen minutes or something. It was wasn't like nine. It? it was like nine minutes. Yeah, I watched oh, the whole thing. Okay. Uh, and he's like, "What are you doing from like seven a.m. till like midnight?" That's too much, man. And he's got a torn meniscus. He's a true sixer. Yeah. Well, but he only works in the off season, right? So six months out of the year, what's he even doing? Yeah. I don't know. Interesting yeah. guy. I, I, I'd love to know his finances. Uh, we should definitely get him on the podcast after if Fultz's shot comes back and we lionize him. That would absolutely be necessary. What if it doesn't come back? Do we get him on the podcast and just fucking lay yeah, into we, him? <laughs> we take him to the, we bring him to the lottery party and he gets the anti Covington treatment. <laughs> just three thousand people booing the shit out of him. Uh, no, it's interesting. I I thought the like I I still you know I don't know that I'm ever going to be. We haven't talked about this in a while, but I don't know that I'm ever going to be at a place where I can watch Joel Embiid do anything and not worry about what's going to happen to his body. I'm still, I thought it would pass, but even just, maybe it's been a while since I watched him in the playoffs or whatever, but watching him play against Tatum, I'm like, duh, 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 duh. yeah, it, it, it always looks like he could twist his knee. And any like point. That, that's what I wore. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it's not like he's got like I, skinny baby knees. He's got like, doesn't have like Nerland's knees or anything. He's like, he's a very well-framed man. I'm just, I'm so aware of all the, all that's happened on on those legs and I, i'm just worried about it well i thought i thought yeah i thought you were past that that, was, so that was where i thought you were i yeah. thought so too i'm not mm. uh okay what about the josh harris comments i think what people don't understand is that he doesn't really have much to do with the day-to-day of the sixers and i don't really take what he says with any sort of seriousness. So uh, the, the the most striking thing, which is less of a Josh Harris thing and more of an organizational thing, is that they want to hire a GM who has past experience but also isn't going to fire any of the staff that is there, mm-hmm. um, which is an insane thing to say right. and think, um, which means you're not going to hire anybody, yeah. basically. I, I thought that was... That was a thing that was less something that he thinks and more like something he probably knows and shouldn't have said <laughs> publicly. Um, aside from that, there wasn't to was there anything else in there that you thought was particular particularly interesting or I, I just like 
he's he's clearly he has to be a smart person and yeah, very I, and i don't know i mean he had every advantage in the world growing up he like went to all these famous like fancy private schools and bullshit but like now he's at like a public facing organization and he has to just like sit back and look at himself and be like how 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 have we fucked up in so many different ways and like have been still gifted this like beautiful team of good guys and a good coach that people like and and upside and all that stuff. Like Weber asked me, Michael Weber, the Spike Lee of the podcast asked me if owners actually improve it at being owners. If they like learn something. Uh, Oh, I I think so. You do for sure. Yeah. I'm well, they're, they're managers, right? And like the longer that you're in a job, um, you not all of them, but I think anyone who is an effective businessman or manager, as he gets older, learns things and and you know and uh, manages things differently and learns from mistakes. And you know, Josh Harris has only been an owner for five years, or you know, and that's a relatively uh, short time. I think. I think I think it's going on six now. And was not a sports owner before that. Nothing like a sports owner. So right. I'm not like I'm not excusing it, but I I don't think he had any idea what he was getting into. I think is is most of the point, and still has no idea um, in a in a general sense. I think he's almost impossible to not be a smart person. You know, he has to be a smart person, and not everyone but who smart is smart in different is, kinds of ways. Well, but no, but just smart. I I don't know why we have to qualify it when when we don't when we. When we say anybody's smart, like just because you grew up rich doesn't mean that you're not smart, and just because you're you're you were rich when you were younger and you're rich now doesn't mean that you weren't smart in business and and make you know like we're all we're all smart in different ways. I'm smart in certain ways. You're smart in certain ways. Yeah, like, I mean his track his track record with the Sixers is just like he's really bad with the press. He's just never he hasn't yeah. he's not good in front of the cameras. Uh, and he someone has decided that he's the guy that is going to be there. Uh, that's not a great decision. And uh, as you've said many times, like they've continuously gotten themselves in these like horrible PR type situations and, and, and like have gotten pushed around by the league, have gotten pushed around by whoever. So It's just not the most important thing to him. And well, I, I think like that's what's that, – that, that is more the – the cause of the symptoms you're you're discussing. I, I don't think it is his inability to manage. I think he is. The Sixers are one of a number of companies that he owns, sure. and the, certainly not the most valuable of all the companies he owns, and not in the. So I just I think his like level of care is probably not what you would hope, you know, and sure, his level of commitment. We, like when we talked about uh, your dad reported about the Scott O'Neill thing, right, to the Jazz. Yep, you were saying that like. It was like a heads need to roll kind of thing, right? Wasn't that a situation? Maybe, the maybe. Sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. So I don't know. I mean, at this point, he, the Sixers were a very, or pretty basically, you know, he's a hedge fund guy. Their Sixers are a distressed asset, and now they're worth far more than when they bought him. Like, at what point is it like, hey, I'm spending too much time on this thing. Let's just sell the team. Not until they get an arena. I mean that's the the any any valuation that people put on the Sixers right now like of a billion dollars or something mm-hmm. without an arena is a fake valuation doesn't make it's not real because the team 
doesn't generate without owning an arena they don't generate the sort of revenue um, that is truly meaningful to somebody who wants to buy the team out of anything but a passion project you know i think their goal is if if we think that they're eventually going to sell the team i don't think that happens until after they get an arena so any anybody that thinks it's going to happen in the next you know 12 to 24 months is probably dreaming you know i think if if you are thinking about not you but one is to think about josh harris and this group not owning the sixers anymore or somebody buying his part out or something like that i think you're you're probably thinking about a more of a five to ten year maybe five year thing than a two or three year thing do you so expect i understand those? sorry i understand i'm sorry i understand like i get the frustration i just i think it is more out of and you know it's funny uh Aaron Nola was on WIP this morning and he's just like, he's a great dude, but a pretty boring interview just doesn't have a ton to say. Doesn't, you know, not everybody who gets into these things, whether it be being an athlete or an owner is good at that. You know, that is a very specific skill that, you know, even some players are good and other players are not good at talking. I don't think he's good at that. I think it's pretty clear to your point that he's not good at that. Why he's the guy is because he owns He's the man, like the the head owner. So sure, but I mean, they could, they talk. could have he could have Blitzer talk, right? He could have one of the other owners. He could have uh, Scott O'Neill or whoever. Yeah, yeah. Have. I don't know. Yeah, um, but I think eventually they're going to make a play for an arena. And yeah. At when, that point, when would you think say that would happen? Do, is there like I there's no know. plans? I haven't heard any whispers or anything of you. No, I haven't heard anything yet either. I think the that the Wells Fargo Center deciding to upgrade by $250 million rather than build a new arena for the Flyers is like a domino. If you ask me how is that a domino, I, I don't know. I think it on one level it means that the Flyers are not interested in a new arena. Um, so there's no, there's no ability for them to both make the play, I think. I, I genuinely believe what it will come down to will be um, and I think the next couple of years is when I would guess that it happens because they're in a position now where people care. Um, you know, uh, I think what will happen is they'll tell the city, and this, I have no information on this. It's just the exact thing I've been saying for six years uh, since they bought the team is they will look the city in the eye and say that they want a new building. And if the city says no, they can get a new building right across the river, probably from New Jersey, basically free um, because their their practice facility was basically free uh, because New Jersey's trying to build up the waterfront and trying to get more business. I mean, think about all the um, the income, the state income tax that then moves over to New Jersey, all those players that are playing there and practicing there and all that stuff. So, um, and I think that they will threaten Camden and whether that's a, a real threat or not, I don't know, but I think I think Camden will be a player in that. So we'll see. I don't know. I don't know when, but I would guess in the next couple of years. Interesting. Uh, Seems natural. I mean, the, the Wells Fargo Center is at that point. It's like twenty, yep. or it's like twenty years old, where you either refresh or or get a new one. You know, and they decided to refresh it. So. Yeah. Uh, your thoughts? Because we ta- so in the thing you're about to hear, I talked to people about summer league. I talked to people about the Corkmas game uh, and some Kawhi trade stuff, but we didn't get into too many specific summer league guys. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on uh, Sixers big man Cam Oliver. What do you think? Uh, well, he's pretty athletic. Yeah. And he definitely sticks out on the court. And if you told me I could have him or Jonah Bolden, I would take Cam Oliver. Yeah, Jonah Bolden's not been very good. I still I still yeah. like the I still like the package a lot. I think I like the way he moves his feet 
and uh, he's got a decent handle for a big guy. Um, but the shot, like, he airballed a bunch of, like, too many shots <laughs> at Summer League. And uh, the shot just needs is a, has a long way to go. But I like I like a lot of what's there. I think I do think he'll come over this year and uh, spend a good bit of time in the G League. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely love Cam Oliver and uh, want him on a two-way for sure. I think Demetrius Jackson is not as good. He's not very good. That's upsetting. No, I agree with you on Demetrius Jackson. But um, and um, boy, Furkan Korkmaz, that that podcast aged really <laughs> just like a, the worst wine. Uh, <laughs> they're just it aged like um, I don't know milk. It it aged like milk rather than a fine wine. Well, uh, that I, I so Jeez, I asked, I asked uh, Kevin Young, the Sixers summer league coach, if he's going to play, and like hoping that he would say no, he's too good play it anymore and he said yeah he's playing and i was like i don't know yeah <laughs> I, don't, I think it's not gonna get better than this and i didn't think yeah, it was it, gonna get this bad yeah, uh but it certainly it's fine. didn't get better yeah. it's fine i mean it, it really it's not you know you see what he can do you know that he's streaky he knows that he's got to keep putting work in but i i really do believe in he's an interesting package because he can he can obviously catch and shoot and like he can attack a closeout and like pass off the dribble. Like he's there's there's some there's some like dynamic Dario play in there, and uh, I'm excited to see if he gets minutes this year. Uh, other than that, anybody else? Chris McCullough had a really bad first game, and then a really good third game, but I don't think he's doing anything. Yeah, and and I it I I watch it with a sense of like uh, I think the the only guys I really pay attention to outside of Oliver. Um, is the guys that I think have a chance of being on the team. Mm-hmm. I, I like none of the other guys have really stuck out in a meaningful way to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm very curious to see Zaire Smith. Like it could go. This, sound, this is going to sound really stupid. It could go one of two ways with him this year. It could go. Boy, he just doesn't do enough on his own to help them, or um, that playing with better players could make him really useful and interesting in a 16-minute-a-game way yeah. um, his rookie year. So I'm, I'm curious to see which one of those things it is. And I'm not as – I was I was hedging a little bit when we were talking about Korkmaz the other day in that, like, he just doesn't seem – it's funny. Legs was talking about how Korkmaz can take, like, Bellinelli's role this year. And I was like, look, I hate Bellinelli as much as anybody, but – that seems like a tall order, <laughs> you know, uh, for a guy who doesn't look like he'll be running off screens. It isn't particularly, he's just not as athletic as I thought he was, I guess. Um, so I'm a little worried about that. Tell that to 40 points, the fifth <laughs> highest score in summer league history. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I feel really good about the roster. I, I think, I think they're deep. I think that if they want to make a play for a Kawhi or, or one of those other shooting guards, then they totally could, and they have guys to step in and fill those roles. But um, yeah, I, I like. I think they're going to find a good fifteen. I think at this point, Bayless, Rashawn, and TLC would be the will be the guys out, and then you get Shake and Cam Oliver on a two way, and uh, I think that's a. I just think that's a good team. Um, I think I, uh, I think Zaire was sorry, just Zaire. Yeah. So wise I think he, I think he's too good not to play. I think he just impacts the game in in ways that like he doesn't need the ball. Uh, you know he's gonna work his ass off on defense. Um, 
I just really believe in him making winning plays. Uh, like tip dunks, just like big boards, like get, getting, his, getting his hand in there, uh, whether it's on the weak side or on his own guy. There's a couple times when he was covering a guy bigger than him and, and just like if they brought the ball anywhere near him, he's just going to slap it away from him. Uh, I, just, I just believe, I really believe in him. And I know that he's got a long way to go. I know that the shot is rigid and not like super effective in game, but he's working on it. And then everybody said how, how much it's grown from just like the first workout that he did to the second one and then to like now in, in uh, like summer league camp and stuff. So I just I just believe in the guy, um, and I really love watching him play defense. And I almost think he's kind of like a, in some respects, like a shutdown cornerback in the sense that he's so good that teams might not actually go at him. They they'll just like avoid. They'll just like stick him on like whoever's whoever he's covering. They'll just like stay in the corner, and he can and he won't be as effective. Um, but I I just I don't know. I just I just really believe in this guy and I think that watching him play with Simmons is going to be like just a crazy amount of fun he's good for a couple highlights a game and just like impact the game at a really high level well I do want people though to have reasonable expectations about his defense his rookie year he's like he's young guys Mm -hmm. uh, wing defender young guys are not usually instantly very good defensively mm-hmm. so i think you know we want to see flashes and yeah. um you know but i he's not going to come in and be tony allen for sure or, i mean like he'll get lost in the pick and roll he'll he'll get yeah. lost in defensive rotations absolutely um but I, i'm I, I guess i was talking more specifically about like on ball defense like making plays yeah. on defense yeah like, i think sure. he's a guy that'll just like come up with a bunch of plays um i don't think jonah bolden's going to make the team I, I, really? I don't think he's going to be on the team. I, I don't think they can afford to. And, and I, I've pointed this out a bunch of times. All of the Jonah Bolden will be on the Sixers stuff has been from Jonah Bolden um, and not the Sixers. That's not true. You know? I think so, Colangelo, I think, mentioned something about that he's going he's gonna to be who? there. Colangelo? Who? Colangelo? Brian. Who? Who? Yeah. I, I, think, mm. I, th- I, think, I think he'll be there. I think they're, uh. they risk losing him to a uh, – to like you know what happened with Miritich basically it was like he's gonna stay over there for three years. Okay, maybe he can learn how to do something when he's over there. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think I think they still like the package and and they think that there's yeah. there's something there and a couple of games at summer league isn't is it gonna like deter them from that and you know they need fifteenth guy on the bench anyway so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Why not have one? Um, I I think their roster is obviously still missing another creator, and we'll see on faults. We'll see. Yeah. Well, if they if they don't get him, then they're going to run into similar issues that they ran into last year. It doesn't doesn't mean it can't be a fun season and a good season, but but only having one creator and that creator, as far as we know, still can't shoot. Um, ben limits them in uh, in pretty specific ways. So yeah, we'll see. I, I'm I'm yeah. not um, I'm not ruling. I think people are, are there's a lot of people that are um, a little sky is falling in terms of oh they haven't gotten better, but I think like the main thing is that Embiid and Simmons like that's it's always been the main thing. The fact that they have a healthy offseason together, uh, that they can work on their games and not have to worry about various injuries that they've had over the couple of years is huge and I, I'm I'm really excited to see like what they've implemented next season mm-hmm. yeah uh, uh, all right you want to uh, yeah so this is want to get here basically yeah. this is just a bunch of interviews I did uh, sort of just smushed together um, 
I didn't talk to all the people I wanted to talk to uh, because I either forgot I was a journalist or was lazy or just whatever. Um, but I talked to a bunch of people, so thank you to them for sitting down with me. Uh, sometimes you hear music in the background uh, because it's summer league and they play loud music during timeouts. Um, and I was only there for the weekend for the Celtics and Lakers games. So, uh, yeah. Well, it adds to the ambiance. Adds to the ambiance. Um, so before we get to Summer League, why don't we talk about one of today's sponsors, and that is the Colony Meadery. Mm. Um, now, Mike, what would you do if I could tell you that there is a, an alcoholic beverage that has been around for years and years and years, as old as time itself? And that alcoholic beverage has never been done well. But now, that alcoholic beverage is not only done well, but done uh, incredibly from right here in the area, and it's gluten-free, and it tastes amazing. What, what wow. would you do if I told you that? I'd go to my fridge and have a couple. <laughs> and get some of it. Some 9.30 in the morning mead. Yeah, <laughs> one's better. I remember, I was not a big drinker in college, but I'll tell you, when you have a drink in the morning, it really works. It really does. Um, we're not encouraging that. So mead is a an old, um, like has been around forever, but has just never been done well. And um, Greg and the guys from Colony Meadery decided to do it well. It is gluten-free. It's made from honey. Um, it is a like sort of um, just enough sweetness is the way that I would describe it. You can get it everywhere. It, it comes in cans, which is the alcohol. Those are the session meads. It's like the, the alcohol volume of a beer. And then there's their, their signature meads, which are closer to, I guess, like a wine sort of alcohol level, like 12 or 13% alcohol. Um, you can get it anywhere. You can get it right here in Philly at uh, Beer Love on 4th Street. Mike, they make mead cocktails at Beer Love. Oh, yeah. Ooh. They have, can- right, yeah. I like that. Um, and, and they have cans to go over at Beer Love. You can get them at any Wegmans in the area. A uh, couple of new ones out now, Mike. The Mini Mead, which is a lightly tart traditional mead from raspberry blossom honey, and the Birch Mead, which of course tastes like uh, birch beer. Um, I had the, uh, they've, they've one that is a sort of a Moscow mule tasting one that I had the, the other night, the, uh, the limey, the ginger, um, mm-hmm. mead, which is a good one. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to tease this. The, um, they have a new mead that I would say is process related that is going to be released on July 21st. We'll have more on that, but it is process related, Mike. I like Process that. related. Yeah. Do we have, do, uh, we, you have, can, do we have naming rights? We do not. <laughs> we do not. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll send you what it is. It's pretty amazing. I'll send you. Um, you can order online at colonymeadery.com. That's colonymeadery.com. And you can use code Ricky for $5 off. You must be 21 to drink. Please get buzzed responsibly. And now here is Mike at Summer League. Okay. So I'm in my hotel room at an undisclosed location on the... Uh, Suns Strip, Vegas Strip. What's it called? All right, I'm here with Jonathan Sharks of TheRinger.com. We're watching a little Thunder Hornets. Uh, we were just talking about the Kawhi trade or the Kawhi perspective trade, and I wanted to get his his uh, take on it for the Sixers. Uh, do you think Kawhi would be a good fit in Philly? I mean, of course. I think if you can get him for a discount, which he's on the market now, why not go for it? You don't have to keep all your pieces. 
Do you move? Do you move Fultz for him if you're the Sixers? I don't know. Is he shooting? I don't know. He's working with Drew Hanlon. People, the, the the Instagrams look good. Well, if the Instagrams look, let's there's put still there's still photos. There's still photos of Instagrams. Does that count? Like, let me watch him in the gym for like 20 minutes. That's the thing though. If you want to try to be in the gym shooting anyways, right? I mean, if I'm training Fultz, I'm training up very little else. But I might do it for Kawhi. Yeah. So if it's like a Fultz, it's a Bayless, and then it's you know the Wilson Chandler contract. Well, I think y'all have five good assets, right? You have Fultz, Covington, Saric, Zaire, and that pick, right? And then Simmons and Embiid who are on top. Well, yeah. Maybe like two of those five. Maybe two of those five I might do for Kawhi. Because I I would do it. Would you need need some guarantee that he's signing for the max afterwards, that he would stay here full time? Or would you say like... We can we can wine him, we can dine him, and he'll want to compete for the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, I think it's I think you can roll the dice on it. I mean, especially with Embiid's health, I mean, I feel like go for it. You don't have to give up too many assets, not too much, obviously. But if you don't have to give up too much, I mean, Kawhi on that team would be insane. Yeah. Whatever, if he's there for a year, I mean, he could be insane team. Let's go. And you get to the finals. What if Golden gets hurt? Right. This will be their fourth straight finals. Yeah. Or fifth. 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 The odds of them being healthy for five straight finals are not very good, right? Someone's going to get hurt in that team. And if someone gets hurt, that finals is open to be got. What would you say about, like, uh, like a Brad Beal or a C.J. McCollum trade? Who would you – I'd do it in a second. Who would you give up? I mean, yeah, I would definitely do that too. Actually, that's probably a, that's probably a safer trade than Kawhi, obviously. Because guy's under contract. It'd be perfect, yeah. I've gotten some grief about saying that I would make a move for McCollum. Uh You've probably seen more McCollum than most of most of the guys that listen to the podcast. Uh, make the case for McCollum and specifically his defense playing next to Dame. Oh, I mean, he's playing guarding twos. I mean, Dame's terrible defense too. I mean, CJ defense. I get that with CJ. That's why Beal probably a better fit because they, they're gonna get hunt, they're gonna hunt him on defense for sure. I mean, I get that. All right, so we're at summer league. Uh, who who do you like on the Sixers summer league team? You said you're a Jonah Bolden guy. Talk to me about Bolden. 6'10", he can shoot it, he can switch it, he's pretty skilled. I hope he plays backup five next year. Like, don't go for Amir, like, play the young I get, like, playing the vets, but, man, Bolden can play, dude. He can play. Do you believe in the jump shot right now? What did he shoot this year? Not well enough. I think it was, I think it was low 30s. How, as you do this, how do you feel about Zaire? Love him, man. Dallas kid, great. Love Zaire. That's, that was a great pick. Do you think that... Who does he profile to defend best? Because I could see him as a one through four guy. Can you see him point of attack? What are you thinking of? Yeah, I mean, if you watch the NCAA tournament, he guarded Jalen Brunson in the Elite Eight. They put him on point guards. I think he guarded Chioza against the Florida game. Like, he can guard point guards. Zaire's the best shot-blocking guard I've seen since D-Wade. There's there's a thing. Jonah Bolton. They weren't great. They weren't great. He had one good year shooting threes. Oh. Oh. Oh, man. Man, that's not good. It's ugly. It's ugly. See, I saw last year shooting 42% from three. Out of the five, though, whatever. He'll be fine. I'm still on Team Jonah. You can stretch it. All right, talk to me about uh, Kevin O'Connor. Do you think we should let him back on the podcast? I think you need to run this bit further. Run this B farther. Don't don't let it go. Let's keep it going. I like when you all attack writers. It's a good bit. Good. All right, I'm live watching the Sixers and Celtics warm up before their game. Zaire Smith is rebounding for his teammates while they shoot. That's kind of nice. I haven't seen him make a three yet, which is alarming. Oh, nope. Uh, Furkan's hitting shots. Nope, that missed. 
And uh, I'm going to take this game too seriously. I'm excited. Sixers basketball. Here we go. The Sixers went on to lose to the Celtics, but really win the war because Furkan Korkmaz dropped 40 points in Shemi Ojale's face. And let me just say, not a Summer League 40, a real 40. They just happened to be at Summer League. There's a difference. Feeling good about Furkan. It doesn't matter that he spent the next two games basically scoreless, but that's fine. So I went back to the Sixers uh, media scrum under the tunnel at Summer League at Thomas and Mack Center and uh, talked to the guys that the Sixers made available. Um, I had a microphone and everything, and I asked a couple questions. So you're about to hear that conversation with uh, Sixers Summer League head coach Kevin Young and Zaire and Furkan himself and Jonah Bolden. So starting off with me asking Kevin Young a question about Furkan's secondary creation abilities. Did you explain the kind of creation abilities that he showed around the end there? I mean, he's a guy that has game, obviously. Um, he's known more of a shooter, but I wouldn't say I expected it, but also at the same time, it didn't surprise me. Did you, did you hear, uh, I mean, could you sense the crowd kind of reacting uh, along with all the baskets you made, what was that like? I mean, I appreciate those people because the fans, they want to see something special things on the court. Uh, they are coming here to have fun. Uh, also, we are going to court to have fun and at the same time to win the game, you know, to show what we got. Uh, I'm really appreciate it. What did you learn about the NBA style? I know it's only summer league, but what did you learn from the small little glimpse into it? It's really fast and defending hard. You got to fight over screens and all that. You just got to Play tough and hard nose. What were your impressions of Furkan tonight? Oh man, he, he's great. He did real good. I knew he was good. I saw a couple highlights, but he did real good. What stood out to you the most about him? Just the way he was stroking it. Man, he was on fire. When did you know, when did you know like he's almost beyond on fire, or like when did you know man, he's really gonna come? Man, the first quarter when he had like ten. Actually, it was like he had twelve, and we had fourteen. Like, keep giving it to him. Yeah. Not really. No, I, I knew he could shoot because we practiced. And I was like, he, he got a little strap. But after that, he, he showed it. How's your game evolved between this your first summer league and now your second summer league? Uh, maturity. Um, you know, going over. It was my first season playing EuroLeague. Uh, prior to that, I had played with uh, FMP, mm-hmm. uh, kind of in the Serbian and, and Abba League. But my first season playing EuroLeague, so there's definitely travel aspect to it. I think we played like 72 games, uh, nowhere near the NBA NBA schedule, travel-wise. But just maturing, uh, physicality within Europe is definitely on another level. Uh, you saw it tonight with, with with the Celtics; they're a very physical team, and that was kind of where we where we lost it. You know, on the on the on the rebounding side, and then on the transition defensive side. So that's where me being overseas helped with the physicality. Um, yeah. All right, we just talked to Jonah Bolden, Sazair Smith. Saw Korkmaz, and uh, as I was talking to somebody, somebody came by and said, are you down with TTP? I was very disoriented. I didn't know how to answer it. I think I mumbled something. Now I'm looking at Gershon Yabusele. He's the strangest shaped man I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Summer League basketball, guys. This is what it's all about. Walking by Terry Rozier and Brad Stevens, and I'm not saying hi. Fuck them. Okay, I'm here with Brian Schroeder at Cosmos on Twitter, host of a lot of draft takes, many strong draft takes. Also, if I recall correctly, doesn't like Marvin Bagley almost as much as I don't like him. 
I'm coming around on him a little bit. Oh. I, I did late in the draft process because I think he can shoot. I think he will shoot. But, yeah, he can't use his right hand at all, and that's not good. Yeah. You, had a, you have a I th- draft. I think he has a decently high floor because he plays really hard. I just would not have taken him top two. I would never have taken over Doncic under any circumstances. No, no. You have a very solid draft database that I used uh, frequently for wingspans and such. Um, we just watched the Sixers uh, win a moral victory over the Boston Celtics. Uh, who did you like on the Sixers? Aside, uh, We can talk about Korkmaz, but other guys you liked. Furkan Korkmaz scored 40 points, so yeah. so he won. Yeah. He won the game. Um, I mean, Zaire didn't do a lot, but I, I love Zaire, so... He called up. He called out defenses. He defended Yabuselli in the post once. And then he switched on Ojale and, and contested a three-pointer. So like, Zaire, Zaire will be good. Talk to me about your evaluation of Zaire as a prospect, even prior to being selected by the Sixers. I I came around late on him. That's some people I know who liked him a lot earlier. But um, he he has such a weird combination of his like his numbers look like like Danny Green. Like a super elite role player, mm-hmm. like a super efficient. But if you just tape, his tape looks like Gerald Green, mm-hmm. where like he's the most athletic basketball player. Just greens. Yeah, I mean that's a good comparison. But like he he has, where like Grayson Allen and Hamadou Jallo and all those guys had great combine athletic numbers. His were a little less than that, but his are so functional. He gets off his feet so quickly. He gets such great vertical leap, like on his shot. He gets such. Like just he gets such clearance from the ground on his shot that even if he doesn't become a good like off the dribble shooter, he'll be fine spot up. And plus, do the, do the Sixers need an off the dribble shooter? Uh, hopefully, it's Fultz. Yeah, yeah. Like hopefully that's Fultz. He doesn't need to create with the ball in his hands. Like he'll never need to do that on that team. Like Covington doesn't. What impressed me the most about Zaire, just watching him in college and watching him now, was how many risks he takes on defense but is allowed to it still stays under control and and his athleticism and quickness allows him to recover i think his floor is like amy bradley which is fine that's pretty that's pretty good but like um he also has the thing that people need to take keep in mind with him he played center in high school he played power forward at texas tech he was not a guard he was never asked to shoot or create and he's so young and he has got such a high trajectory because he was a 200th ranked prospect in the in the in the country coming into last year, yeah. no one would have ever guessed he'd be a one and done, and yet he was one of the best one and dones in the country. Like he was every bit as good as McCall Bridges, every bit as good as guys like I mean uh, Sexton, every bit as good. I, I think I think he has a little depot kind of upside. Yeah. Player comparisons are risky, yeah. but I think he could be that kind of guy. Like it took it could take him a couple years to develop his ball skill, like it did Ola Depot. But he's got that athleticism, insane athleticism. Uh, you're a you're a Bulls you're a Bulls fan, and we just found out that the Bulls matched a four years, eighty million dollar offer sheet of the Kings to uh, to Zach Levine. As as fans of a team with uh, cap space to burn next season, and a little bit of anxiety as to how they're going to use it, uh, how are you feeling? I guess it's better that they didn't they did this and they went after Jabari. I guess that's a good thing, because what's what's better than one guy with ACL history, ACL tears, and one guy two? But like, at Levine, it's some cost fallacy. It's what they do. The Bulls had to do it because they traded him for Jimmy. They traded Jimmy Butler for him. So yeah, he has to be good. It's like Neil Olshay. Like we can't admit that this guy's bad. So let's sign Myers Leonard to a four-year deal or whatever they did. Whatever. I mean, I like Zach. 
like as a person, he seems like a nice guy. I was trying to be fair to him last year. He had a terrible uh, ACL injury. He just doesn't. He can't play defense. He doesn't create at all. He's a good shooter. He's not like the Kyle Korver. You know, he's not an elite shooter. I don't know what he does really. I don't really see the the route to him and Chris Dunn and Lowry being like a high level core. Like, who's a star? I love Wendell Carter. He's not a star. I love Lowry. He's not a star. I came around on Chris Dunn. He's not a star. Like, I don't know. They're gonna go sign somebody next year to who shouldn't. Who's gonna get like I don't know. Who's even a wing next year? Who's okay? Jimmy. Yeah. That'd be tough. I mean, that'd be good. But, like, I don't know. They they don't know what they're doing. They never do. Uh, I've been seeing you at Summer League for the better part of the last decade. Uh, just what do you like about Summer League? What makes you keep coming back? The atmosphere. People screaming for Kvirkan Korkmaz shooting 28-footers. The Andres Bedrins jersey? Yeah. The jerseys. And it's just fun to see people. Sometimes the basketball is good for, like, two minutes, and that's fun. And then... But also, I like bad basketball. Like, it's fun to watch. Yeah, I, don't, I don't have to convince... Oh, well, and you're a Sixers fan. That's right. Yeah. The, as, two, as two of the biggest Hollis, Thompson's fan, Hollis Thompson fans in the world, we don't have to be convinced that they like bad basketball. But it's fun. It's like a convention for basketball. Yeah. Amir Johnson was here today. What, he's still here. I'm looking at him right now. He's still there. You can see him with the beard. What, what compels a 32-year-old, like 12-year veteran on a veteran's minimum contract to come to Summer League and watch this? It's in Las Vegas. That's probably true. I mean, he's in here. He likes basketball. He wants to hoop. Would you, you would come if this was in Sacramento, right? Yeah, probably. I have family in Sacramento. Okay, yeah. Future former Sixers employee. What's your title officially? Current or future former? Uh, Current director of digital content. Director of digital content for the Sixers, making his way to the Los Angeles Clippers, Charlie Widow's. Hi, Charlie. How are you enjoying Summer League so far? Mike, it's always a treat. Uh, I'm just so honored right now to be on the Ricky. It's really something else. And I'm also honored to be in the presence of your professional journalist's microphone thing you have (laughs) here with the cover on it and everything. Thank you. I saw this first yesterday in a scrum Mm -hmm. um, where you appeared, which was Mm -hmm. great. Uh, Unexpected sight. And (laughs) so now it's it's nice to be with you and it. Thanks, Charlie. Uh, Congratulations on the new job, first of all. Uh, How are you feeling about Summer League so far? We had uh, one Sixers game, went pretty well. Uh, what do we think? Is it, wait, you only think pretty well? They lost. I'm, well, I'm right. here for Wednesday. And I was, right, I was reminded that by Furkan because no one wanted to know anything but how he felt, and he said, we lost, <laughs> yeah. which I was shocked that he said that. He's the best. Um, he, it was so awesome last night. I think I love Summer League every year. Um, this Sixers team doesn't have the number one pick, which I'm used to. Mm-hmm. I've gotten used to. Um, but it's a cool team. Uh, Furcon getting to like actually be the guy fulfilling what you said. You're too acting like he's too good for some or playing like he's too good for something is awesome. That was so great. Reminds me of Adam Morrison's amazing showing with the Clippers. <laughs> That's the name you want to hear. Uh, no, but he's like so legit. Um, I think Zaire was so cool. Um, just like does like little things. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's fun not to have the number one pick, but just have like a good team of potential NBA players. Yeah. Uh, what was Sixers slack like after Corkman's drops 40? Um, we were going crazy. So we're undermanned at this point, so there's not much time for communication in-game. We're just clipping highlights as fast as possible. Um, yeah, no, it's Furkan's the GOAT, and, like, everyone is just happy to see him. I, we saw um, Donovan Mitchell tweeted about Furkan going mm-hmm. off. Rashawn Holmes had just gotten off the plane and saw Furkan drop 40. Um, everyone's very excited for Furkan. 
Where, what was like the maximum allotted levels of furcan puns that you were giving yourself within the department? It's tough because we treat every furcan moment like a, a content opportunity. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And so this has been happening since he came over, even before he came over. Mm -hmm. uh, so we are tapped out after last night. <laughs> <laughs> we need to go back to just regular. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we live for this. What, um, which players are you leaving the Sixers, sadly, but happily for a, a sunnier job uh, in my place of uh, living? Yep. What, uh, what player on the Sixers currently will you miss working with the most? Uh, I really mean this. It's a really good group, all of them. But there's only one answer. And do you know the answer? I don't know the answer. It's Dario, <laughs> obviously. I mean, I love, like everyone, like, TJ's been great. JoJo's great. Um, like being around someone of that special level is like pretty cool, especially because when when he turn when he gives you time, like as the team website, he has you know he's doing everything, ESPN, all this stuff. When he gives his time to the team website, it's just so cool. Like you don't get much of it, but um, he's you can tell why JoJo's special. Um, all of them, I, like when they all come back from Europe at the end of the summer, like I get to hear about all their cool summers that are way different from what we do, which is go to summer league. Um, Oh, there's Mikhail. Uh, yeah, so I think it's Dario, though. I'm going to edit out you saying there's Mikhail. Okay. Uh, can, I just, can you give me one Dario story of him working with the Sixers uh, digital team? So he comes back. He plays like 100 games per summer um, in addition to his NBA schedule. So he always comes back like last of all the people. And he's always very tired, you can tell. Um, and so last year we had this setup um, at Media Day, and he, I think he got in the day before, uh, and it was a Chick-fil-A tasting uh, station because Chick-fil-A was a new sponsor. And we basically just had all the guys come in and like taste a couple nuggets and tell us what their favorite sauce was. Dario could barely open his eyes, he was so tired, and he just started like shoveling food into his mouth. And about, he didn't say anything, we just kept the camera rolling, and like about, I don't know, 15 minutes, two chicken sandwiches, a ton of nuggets later, he's like, oh, it's good. <laughs> and unfortunately that, that that segment never saw the light of day but uh he just always like even if he didn't look like he was ready he would give you his time charlie widows part two mm -hmm. here we go so i just i dario is my, i'm gonna miss him personally i think that might be everyone on the team's answer there was one time last year a lot of the guys kind of hung around in the summer last year it was still kind of a young team they all just were like super fired up about last summer like getting better getting ready for this year and Dario was again the last person to come back I can't remember some draft prospect was working out and everyone from the staff from the coaches they all stopped and walked over to give him a huge hug not like an NBA style like dap hug combo like just a big hug <laughs> uh, so yeah he's pretty clearly the guy so your last day is in a couple of days, and uh, you finish out the week at Summer League, yep. which is as it should be. Are you going to be sad that you have to delete your burner accounts when you leave Philly? <laughs> no. Uh, you know, you're taking them with you. I think it's very common in place in the NBA to have some sort of a burner situation. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Charlie. Okay. We take a break from Mike's Summer League adventure to talk about our longest standing sponsor, LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Now, Mike, you must have seen... That LL, of course, is on vacation right now. LL mm -hmm. Pavorsky Jewelers is closed right now. He went to Summer League. But then, on Tuesday, for the fifth anniversary of the Right Ricky Sanchez podcast, went and, like, drank champagne in the Grand Canyon. <laughs> Did and, you see that? And held his wife and daughter hostage by making them wear <laughs> Ricky shirts, black Ricky shirts in the desert. LL. 
buddy. He's the greatest. Don't tell him to stop. Don't make him change anything. Um, 88, I think, 88, um, writes Ricky Sanchez, uh, Shved, uh, Lindros. 88 writes Ricky Sanchez listeners have purchased engagement rings at LL Pavorsky Jewelers uh, because he is he's that sort of dude, the sort of dude that will hold his uh, wife and daughter hostage and make them celebrate our five-year anniversary in the you know how we celebrated it sent out a tweet you know how ll celebrated it went to the (laughs) went to the grand canyon and uh held his wife and daughter hostage the um the huge amazing sale happens every year the summer cabana sale at ll pavorsky jewelers starts july 18th um 35 to 75 percent off just the most amazing jewelry in there there are a couple of engagement rings in there as well um but just all sorts of different jewelry and this is the biggest sale he has it lasts about a month every year and there is one piece of jewelry i don't know which one it is he'll be able to tell you when you go there one piece of jewelry 91 percent off as a uh, a tribute to the burner scandal um ll yes ll Poporsky. he told me that there weren't any 91 percent off but i am saying that one piece of jewelry will be 91 percent off um the store is at 707 walnut the phone number you're going to want to make an appointment before you go over to buy an engagement ring is 215-627-2252 llpavorsky.com is the website and for every podcast ll makes generous donations to coded by kids and the providence animal center in media ll pavorsky jewelers melting your hearts melting his wife and daughter in the las vegas heat <laughs> and before we get back to the Las Vegas podcast, oh yeah, you had one more note, an announcement. I will be in New York this coming weekend, uh, Saturday, July fourteenth at three forty-five p.m. If you're in the New York area, uh, in Chelsea, um, Alive in Denver is playing at the New York Television Festival. Um, tickets are still available. A few tickets left, and you can meet me. My whole family will be there. Some other basketball internet people. Tanner Stidell will not be coming. He was supposed to. Um, but yeah, come see my show. It's kind of funny. I don't know. I hope it's good. I, I hope you like it. Some people have seen it. I, I met a guy in Denver <laughs> who Jeez, saw it. Louise. Yeah, I don't know. I lose. I lost steam on myself. I don't like talking. I don't like talking about myself. It's like I've been working on it for so long. Uh, live in Denver. Apocalyptic comedy. Uh, 3:45 p.m. Uh, New York Television Festival tickets still available five bucks. Come. Okay. Uh, and now back to the podcast. I'm here with James Herbert at Outside the NBA, writer for CBS Sports. Uh, maybe the most Ricky Stan in mainstream media today. Uh, we're watching. Who is this? Cavs Bulls. I'm barely conscious. James, how are you doing? I'm fantastic now. I'm honored to be on the show finally. It's a long time coming. You talked to me and Spike for a long time for your feature mm-hmm. on CBS, and that's why I mistakenly thought that you had been on the Ricky before. I still have the audio files if you just want to play like three hours of you guys talking about your podcast and your lives and each other. We could probably arrange it. Sure, we might. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's a deep summer Ricky for sure. Yes. You're a Raptors, I'm not going to say you're a fan, but primarily you're Raptors, you were Raptors based. Prior to this, not anymore, but you were. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the Sixers are your second favorite team. I'm giving, I'm nominating that on your behalf. Okay. You're a Brett Brown guy, I know. I am. Uh, what do you feel like they need going into next season? Do you think that the they should be 
how do how do you feel the offseason's gone? There's been some there's been some contentious uh, disagreements. Yeah, I think I have a pretty moderate view of the Sixers offseason. Like, there's nothing that particularly upset me. I think naturally expectations were raised as soon as Brett was talking about star hunting, and that just didn't happen. So, uh, I love that they still have the flexibility to get a max guy next summer. Uh, maybe this isn't over. Maybe they can trade for Kawhi or another star. But as far as the offseason went, there's a bunch of like pretty good deals. Like I don't know how thrilled you should be about, say, the Wilson Chandler trade. If you got a first, you'd be thrilled. Didn't get a first, so it's like, all right, that's fine. Like they they avoided disaster, and disaster would have been them not getting a guy, and then like also losing JJ and not being able to replace him or something like that. Like I honestly think they might be a more balanced team than they were last year just because there aren't as many people that you can ex- exploit defensively in the playoffs so Chandler helps there uh, maybe Zaire Smith could could help there I love that trade um, but yeah I'm just sitting here like that was fine that was my, my basic takeaway is like that was a fine offseason uh, JJ came in at a good number Amir the minimum like I, I've long been an Amir Johnson guy and I thought that was big that they were still able to keep him even though they didn't give him the room exception and then Bielitz is a great fit, and he's a better defender than Ursan has ever been. So I like him as an Ursan replacement. Do you feel like every time you talk about the Sixers, Lil John should be playing? I wish that was the case. I talk about the Sixers a lot at home, and it would be pretty weird if it just started playing off of my Sonos every yeah. time they came up. But yeah. Do you think it was a mistake for Brett Brown and erstwhile GM Brian Colangelo to, like, so boldly and blatantly say we don't have enough guys we need to star hunt we need one more and now that they as yet don't have one uh pending a trade they sort of have a little egg on their faces i'm not gonna wait colangelo has egg on his face for a far different reason his face is mostly egg at this point but the organization as a whole yeah just all sorts of stuff on colangelo's face none of it good uh, like, I'm not going to like begrudge them for being honest, but I do think at the same time, from like an optics perspective and an expectation management perspective, which are like annoying perspectives to look at things at, then yeah, like they, I think they set the fan base up for thinking we're getting Kawhi, we're getting LeBron, we're getting Paul George. If we don't get one of those three guys, then it's a failure. And like it's, that isn't really a reasonable way to look at any offseason. Like it's really hard to acquire stars in the NBA. And the Sixers are still in an advantageous position in that they have really good players already that guys will want to play with, and they can try this again next summer. So uh, I think they did set themselves up for a little bit of a beating, like, optics-wise, but I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say they shouldn't have said that stuff. I like that, I like that they were bold about it, actually. Because at a certain point, optics don't matter, and aside from, like, you know, caring about what your fan base, what your most intense fan base who remembers quotes Thanks. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think those quotes were that bad. Yeah. Like, I think you could have been more balanced about it. You could have said, like, option A is that, but it's not like we're all about maintaining flexibility and we're not going to do anything to damage that. And I think if you look at the moves they made, it was very clear they weren't going to. Like, it's, it's all one-year deals. It's all maintaining flexibility for next summer. It, the, you had a very hinky-like trade on draft night, uh, which I think we all appreciate. But, yeah, they, they didn't get the big fish, but that doesn't mean that a big fish won't eventually come to Philadelphia and won't come to Philadelphia within the next 12 months. Is that Sam Hinkie or is that a, just a bald guy in a red shirt with his arms, both arms up? You see him? I think it's just a bald guy. 
Looks a little bit like Buzz Williams, college coach. I wish it was Hinky. Yeah, it's definitely not Hinky. I've heard that he's here at Summer League. I'm sure. But I'm sure he's mobbed wherever he goes. Yeah. Because this, I mean, it's not Sloan, but, like, it's still a very high concentration of NBA nerds here. The rest of Summer League, what are you looking, what are you hoping to achieve uh, spiritually, mentally, uh, bas- basketball related? Dante Ingram goes up for a three, hits it. Loyola Chicago in the house. I couldn't help myself. Uh, what are you looking for the rest of the week? Enlightenment. <laughs> I'm looking for uh, transcendent performances from guys that we'll never see again. I'm looking for rookies to screw up but also have flashes of future success. I'm looking for mer- more Furkan Korkmaz explosions. Thank you, James. Okay, now I have the privilege of being here next to two writers from The Athletic, Philadelphia, Derek Bodner and Rich Hoffman, both former Liberty Ballers writers, if I recall correctly. Rich, uh, your thoughts on the Korkmaz experience? It was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I I honestly, I, I used to joke at the end of games, you know, he was playing sort of March and April when they had that winning streak at the end of the year. Furkan was, you know, he was basically the human victory cigar. And to see him in the first quarter just come out, I'm mean, like, you had to be so happy about that. He was, he was shooting over semi Ojale last night. Uh, he was step backs over Ojale. Yeah, he, uh, I, I, obviously we didn't see a lot from him last year, but yeah, when he gets it going, that, that, sh- that shot's pretty interesting. <laughs> Derek, do you think that that is something that is uh, translatable? into the NBA season. How much do you buy a 40-burger a forty burger in Summer League? <laughs> he might not shoot 8 from 10 every game. Maybe not. But I think, you know, what they were working on a lot towards the end of the season, especially in the playoffs, uh, he was really eliminating the dip in his shot. And he never had a real extended dip, but he was certainly almost Clay Thompson, Thompson-esque in terms of how he was shooting it. And he, I think he sped it up just a little bit. And now they're going in. I think they sped it up, and with how high of a release, I think he will. I think he can shoot, and I think he'll shoot in the NBA. Whether or not some of the stuff off the dribble will translate, that's a little more interesting. But like Rich said, he was shooting over Shemi. It was that, that's a legit NBA defender. And what did you guys see out of uh, out of Zaire in Game One? I, I think what we generally expected, right? Made made a couple nice cuts, showed off his athleticism a few times. Not exactly ready to take over things right now, but. I think we all knew that, right? When they made the pick, they said, all right, this might, this is more of a long-term play than taking somebody like Mikhail Bridges, who's ready to come in now and be mostly who he's going to be as an NBA player. But, yeah, I've, I've been encouraged, honestly, just watching him shoot in Camden at the, the practices. I know that's an empty gym, and NBA players should be able to shoot in an empty gym. Not all of them have during the process era, especially. But uh, I've seen, seen a few guys not be able to shoot. Uh, I've liked the shot. It's a little mechanical, but... I don't know, man. It goes in. He gets some good elevation on it. It's it's pretty nice. Derek, do you think that he's going to be able to earn minutes on a Sixers team that won 52 games last year and, and has Eastern Conference Finals aspirations? I think there will certainly be a point in the season where Brett gives him a chance. Uh, whether or not he's going to be ready to retain that spot, I think he might. Like, I think, first of all, that he's not going to force it. You know, he's going to get to the rim in transition maybe a little off of dribble handoffs, but primarily cut off the ball. 
And the fact that he's going to defend, I think, gives him a chance to find a way into the rotation. I do the, you know, we talked about Firkin's shot translating. Uh, Zaire's I have a little more of a concern because it is a little mechanical. It is slow. It is long. So I think he could get eaten up a little bit by defenders. But I think, I certainly think he has a chance, and I do think he's going to, you know, he's not going to go out there and make too many mistakes. So, yeah, I, th- I think he'll get some, you know, consistent burn. There's currently uh, 18 guys, if Bolden comes over and plays, that figure to be on the roster this year. Uh, three guys have to go. Uh, let's say there's not a trade coming where that o- empties out some of the roster spots. Who, who would you be, your prediction be for the three guys that don't make this team to be? I want to hear your prediction, too. Uh, I, I think, the, I mean, Bayless, I think, is going to be off somehow. Yeah. Whether buyout, stretch him, combination of the two, wave him, I don't know. But what, like you can't keep that guy on the team now that you have Chandler as salary filler. So he'd be one. We were talking about this today. I, Rashawn Holmes is kind of interesting. His contract isn't guaranteed. Uh, Brett showed last year that he values Amir's smarts and basically knowing what to do over whatever Rashawn's athleticism gives on offense. And then it gets interesting. Like Justin Anderson, maybe, maybe TLC. Uh, I. It, wouldn't it seem crazy if Bolden doesn't play this year after all the talk about that, though? I think the issue is that is that Bolden, if they don't make him, if they don't have him come over this year, then he's not going to come over next year on because they'll wait till after the rookie scale yeah. runs out. And it seems like he wants to come over now. So, yeah, I, I think after the year he had, too, he played pretty well in Europe. It seems like you know for all the the Colangelo, the, the look at all the moves, that might have been one he got right. You know, as far as the second round pick the first round pick before it not so much uh but yeah i i, I would guess that bones on the team especially with the acquiring chandler so I, i'll say i'll say anderson is the third guy derek between uh if we assume rashawn and bayless are gone who's the third guy that you would see not make this team i think it really might end up being tlc uh i think the fact that colangelo isn't here anymore and there's not that kind of resistance to admitting a mistake I could, I could, I could see TLC. I could, I think Brett trusts Justin Anderson more, so I would, I would assume he'll stay on the roster. In in the wake, now that we've had a little time to breathe in the hot Vegas air of what happened with Colangelo's burners, like how do you feel? Like everybody's recovering from that. I know they don't have a GM yet, which might matter. Um, but what do you think? Where do you think the organizational? Uh, feeling is there i mean the fact that we haven't heard a single rumor about the gm search is pretty incredible and (laughs) the fact that we're not even talking about it might even be more incredible the fact that the fan base is generally okay with this you know brett has talked a lot about promoting from within and it would i mean they came and they talked about this being the most desirable front office spot and if they ended up not even really looking outside it would be a it would be quite the story. In terms of fallout, I don't think that impacted LeBron at all. Clearly, he was not coming here. Uh, maybe it impacted how they pivoted out of there. Maybe Colangelo didn't necessarily tell everyone about all the calls they had. I don't know. But I don't think it, I don't think it impacted them too bad, certainly what they did in the draft, how they approached LeBron. I don't think it had any real large-scale impact. Do you think that they're going to need a GM or they're going to look to get a GM before they're both saying yes? Uh, before a potential 
uh, Kawhi trade or some some wing defense wing type superstar going forward. Yeah, that, I feel like that could be a good prop bet. Sixers GM or, or Kawhi trade. What, what, what happens first? Yeah, I well that was a thing initially. We thought like, okay, I think they can do the draft without a GM. As Marcus Lee with a nice dunk right below us right now. Um, I, the trades were the thing that I was worried about because LeBron he was gonna pick the team and the coach. It wasn't really. I didn't really think that was a GM thing. Yeah, you would like to have a GM making making that call, right, and, and figuring it out. I think for me too, in terms of like the fallout, my question is like, how much of a say does Brett have, right? Because he cannot be the GM. I, I I thought he did a great job on draft night, and that was a long term move. And they did fine in free agency, whatever. They didn't didn't get the big fish, but fine. But like now that he sat in that seat. Is he going to want to handpick one of his people? Because like Derek said, he talked about promoting from within, even though, you know, he didn't really specify who that candidate would be. But it seems like he kind of is comfortable with all the rest of the people. So it'll be interesting. I, I They definitely need somebody to, like, I think, like, a pretty established person to come in and have their own voice here. Wouldn't it be weird if they have the whole summer, they have the whole draft, they make the McHale trade, they sign around the fringes on free agency, bring Reddick back, whatever, and then all of a sudden make a trade for Kawhi. And then they hire a GM from outside and say, okay, this is the team. Yeah, I mean, that was part of the problem with Colangelo, where in order for him to really make an imprint, he would have had to make such wholesale drastic changes. And to now come in where you've traded a whole bunch of draft picks, a whole bunch of young players for a superstar, and you've already got Embiid and Simmons, like, how does a new GM come in and make that his own? It would be, uh, I mean, I'm not sure there's ever been a GM search like this because there's never been a team pre-built and ready to compete like this. Uh, a lot of unprecedented Sixers situations we've encountered over the past few years. It has not been a normal couple of years, that's for sure. You could almost write a book on it. I think that's a good point you made, too, is, you know, obviously it's a great team and you could – be the head of a competitive organization for the next few years but like you said the team's already made for you like if you're trying to imprint your own legacy and make the moves would you rather have more of an up-and-coming team i don't know uh now pivoting to the most important stuff derek <laughs> do you have any norvell pell takes you know what four years ago when was he on the the sevens that was yeah then i would have had a, a a take i don't right now i don't give a shit Derek Bonner doesn't care about Summer League, is what I'm hearing. When is it, why, why, why this year do you not care about Summer League? There are 18 spots. These people, this is not 2014, they're not making the team. Maybe one of them, maybe Devin Marble gets a two-way contract, but okay, I'll, I'll care then. I just got excited by that. Does this not drive you crazy, by the way? All of the paper, the wasteful paper they hand out? Like, Rich, we're not here for your Summer League paper takes, okay? This is the Ricky. I don't know if you guys are ever going to have a podcast, but <laughs> don't do paper takes on the podcast. Uh, all right, gut feel. Do the Sixers trade for Kawhi? Long, deliberate pause. So I'll, I'll say 40% chance. Okay. Rich? Uh, I'll do prices right. I'll say 41% chance. Wow, wow. All right, great. Okay. Thanks, guys. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa. We have a real journalist, Michael Levin, on here, and we didn't get any year answers? Oh, I think they're trading for Kawhi, yeah. 
Okay, we're here for Lakers Sixers. I'm sitting next to a nice young lady. Uh, Ma'am, can you tell me what you're wearing today? I'm wearing a Pau Gasol jersey over a rights to Ricky Sanchez t-shirt. And I also didn't want to be one of those people that wears their jersey on their bare skin because it's yucky. I think that's a smart take. Uh, how do you feel about Mo Wagner so far? Love a Mo Wagner. Um, little history about Mo between me and Mike. Uh, I won our March Madness bracket this year. And uh, Michigan really messed up Mike's bracket. And in fact, he came in last, I think. I'm going to cut that out. So it looks like the Lakers are going to beat the Sixers. Uh, do you feel guilty wearing a Sixers shirt underneath your Pau Gasol jersey? Nah, I mean, you got to support everybody. Are you going to leave me for the German men <laughs> chanting for Mo Wagner behind us? I hate him. So that's a... <laughs> what did you say? That's a yes. <laughs> no, I wish he would shut the fuck up. I'm so tired. You took a nap today and you're still tired. A lot of basketball. Why did you come watch like eight basketball games today? You should pick and choose. Gotta get my money's worth. This is like, it's exactly like Coachella. You don't come to Coachella at 12 p.m. You come to Coachella at 4 p.m. And on that very relatable California take, we conclude our Las Vegas Summer League coverage. Thanks to everyone who didn't make fun of me for carrying a Zoom mic around Thomas and Mac Center and to the Sixers employees who did. And thanks to you, the listener, for bearing with all of my journalistic integrity. Until next summer, when Shake Milton drops 43, I'm Mike Levin, professional news gatherer. We are the murderers there. There with the jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have powder to push. Now I smoke pounds of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Step into the spotlight. Copying of uppers and downers get done. I'm in a rush to be numb. Dropping a thousand ain't much. Cup on the clouds on a missile to turn.